podcast. This is Dr. Bennett trying something a little different this week. We are bringing in some callers for a, uh, I don't know if I can say car talk on the air, but a, a, a Q&A type of conversation with some entrepreneurs to give a taste of what we do on the entrepreneurship call and talk through some problems that folks are having or, or, or idea generation, some brainstorming that we do together on people's small businesses or, or small business ideas. So today we've got myself, David Moore, Josh Tobler, and Kyle Albert to talk through what's going on with their uh, situation and their, their experience with Exit so far. And yeah, let's let's go ahead and get started with, with David. Do you want to give us an introduction? Yeah, I, I've been on the podcast before, but good to be back. I've really enjoyed being Exit, been helping to facilitate the entrepreneurship call that we have every week. And uh, you and I have talked quite a bit just about helping entrepreneurs and really enjoying generating ideas, generating solutions, addressing the unique challenges and conundrums that come up uh, with entrepreneurs in various stages of their growth. And uh, this was just something that we've uh, both, I think, wanted to try and, and, and excited to, to give folks a taste of what goes on inside of and what goes on inside of Exit on an entrepreneurship call, but also um, to listen for their own value today, um, to hear what we might generate on behalf of these these gentlemen, and perhaps they can discover some ideas for their own businesses as well. And then uh, a little bit about your own entrepreneurial experience and background. Yeah, so I had a, uh, a specialty pharmacy business for a number of years. I sold that in 2017. I've been involved in various entrepreneurship groups, uh, several startups, and I led an accelerator business accelerator group here in, in St. Louis, Missouri um, for a number of years. And I've just always loved working with entrepreneurs in various phases. Um, and so it's kind of a passion of mine. I've People have commented that I've over-consumed business material, but it's just a, it's a domain in which I love to spend time. So um, this is just a natural, it feels like a natural extension of that. Right on. Thanks. Uh, so I think we'll start with Kyle and... Let's let's talk a little bit about your background and what you do for a living and, and maybe what you're up against. Yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me on the show. Um, and uh, yeah, I've I've actually been a part of Exit now for gosh, I don't know, it's probably been five or six months, something like that. And it, it's uh, so far, it's been a great experience, and it's been fun uh, getting a chance to meet some of the other uh, fellas who are maybe, uh, you know we're all coming from, from different places, but sometimes there's some interesting overlap in, in some of the struggles that we're dealing with. But, um, yeah, I, I'm a software developer and it manager sort of by trade. I've uh, been doing that for like 20 something years now and, um, have had a, have had a side business for, uh, about 10 years now. Um, and it started out as a app development, um, idea and company. And I still have some, some mobile apps. In fact, I'm, I'm working on a new one now, but, um, I started to branch out into other things, primarily web development, uh, for small businesses and, and nonprofit organizations. Um, and, 
So that it's actually been going fairly well. I mean, I, I make a decent, um, little side income from that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've been struggling, um, with, uh, what I'd like to do eventually is get to the point where I could just leave my, my day job working for my, my, uh, corporate overlord and, uh, and strike out totally on my own. But, uh, I guess what I'll say is that the big challenge I've, I've run up against is, um, part of the, the, where I've had the most success in, in this side hustle is, um, really working with people, you know, basically doing the consulting thing where I sell my time, you know, to companies mm-hmm. to, to help advise them and, and help them with, uh, with their website. And, uh, at some point you just run up against the fact that you just only have so many hours in the day, especially when you have a, a nine to five day job. So I feel like I can't push it far enough to get to the point where it's got enough income that I could leave my, my day job without leaving my day job. So it's sort of a chicken and egg situation. I mean, your hourly rate, uh, I mean, one way to, to kind of quote unquote scale a consulting business is just to increase your hourly rate. And, and is there, is there a skill set that, uh, I mean, are you, are you doing something that's just like, uh, easy enough to find that you feel like you couldn't charge more or, uh, have you, have you tried charging more? Yeah. Um, I actually, uh, well, I will say this. I think, I think one of the biggest problems I've got is, is, uh, I'm starting from a point where it's going to be awfully hard to replace my, my day job income. I'm paid pretty well. I, it was, uh, you know, a few years ago, I finally sort of got, uh, the, the old, um, saying about golden handcuffs. I kind of finally realized what that was about because, um, I'm paid pretty well in my day job. And so as a result, you know, I mean, my wife and I are actually pretty frugal, but, uh, but at the same time, you know, we've got two kids in Catholic school. One of them is about to go off to college. So, I mean, there are a certain level of expenses and, um, and we have a certain amount of income that we kind of plan on having every month. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I actually do charge a, a fairly high rate. I think, um, it's not like I'm, I, I, that's one of the things I think I, I have done a pretty good job at. I mean, I'm not one of these people who grossly undervalues their, their skill set. Um, so I feel like I charge pretty well. Um, but, um, it's one of those things where, uh, I, I feel like, and, and I guess this is kind of, you know, ties in with, with what Tobes was just saying, you know, one of his issues too is, you know, going out and, and finding, finding that business, finding those additional clients. Um, I've managed to, to take one, I have one particular client that I, I really managed to leverage up you know, pretty well. Um, they've, they've kind of expanded what they've needed from me over the last, I've had them now with me for three years. Um, but, um, yeah, so I think part of it is just finding a few additional clients like that. I mean, if I had a couple more like that, I probably could, could make the jump. Um, but I, the way I keep trying to, uh, the way I keep trying to leverage my way out of this is I keep thinking, well, if I could just get, um, gets a couple products off the ground that are more of a, you know, don't require my direct involvement in terms of time to generate revenue. Right. So I've, 
I uh, coached my son in flag football for many years. So I wrote an ebook on, on uh, it's like a guide for coaching flag football for new, new dads who are finding themselves in that role, because that's where I was. I had no idea <laughs> how to, how to do any of that. And, and over several years, you know, we, we ended up becoming um, like a powerhouse flag football team. And so I tried to take all that experience and, and I, I do okay with that. I make, um, I make a, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month off of that, but that's not enough to, to really, uh, you know, move the needle significantly. And like I said, I've tried apps. Um, so I think part of the issue is too, that I, I'm a little bit too scattered. I'm not focused on one thing. I keep trying multiple different things. Um, I've actually, like I said, I've got an idea for a new app. I've got an idea for a new website and I'm, I'm building both of those right now. Um, and I actually did have a client that, um, that I was doing pretty well with, um, in terms of software consulting. And I actually had to kind of tell them I needed to ramp down a little bit only because I had another, I have a good, very good friend of mine who's pulled me into, um, a startup that he's getting off the ground and I'm going to be doing their website. It's going to be an e-commerce website. And that's one of those things where they're not going to be paying me directly for my time. It's more like, uh, I'll be getting a share of the, the revenues off of that particular product once it starts to sell. But unfortunately we're not at the point where we're actually selling yet. So I've got a lot yeah. of different irons in the fire and that's probably part of the issue is that I'm not focused, right? I can already, I, I just know that's one of the things you guys are probably going to say is, Hey man, you're trying, you're, you're, you've only got a limited amount of time outside of your day job and you're diluting it amongst like four different things. So why don't you try to, you know, focus well, on one thing? But. I, that wouldn't be my first pass. I mean, it, it would depend on, it would depend on whether you found the thing that you love. I mean, the thing that really animates you. And, and if the answer is yes, then yes, focus is maybe a, an issue, but if not, then it may be even important to explore more broadly. I, let me ask you this: If your if your consulting business was forty hours a week at your present rate, would that compensate you for the loss of the day job? Uh, yeah, it would. It would. Um, yeah, and that's uh, and that's I know that. So one of the the big advantages we have right now, my wife actually switched her employee job to a consulting job a few years back. But one of the reasons we were able to do that was. Um, I still carry all the benefits, right? So we don't have to worry about trying to pay for, for health insurance for the family, um, ourselves necessarily, although, you know, we have to pay, pay for part of it, but, but yeah, even with that, I think it would probably cover it if I, if I could, you know, the, but the problem is, as you guys know, you can't necessarily do 40 hours solid a week of consulting, billable consulting, because part of that time has to be spent on kind of administrative tasks, but also maybe <laughs> working on the pipeline of new clients to take over where you've got some other clients that may be dropping off or maybe the level of work is going to go down. Yeah. And you, you indicated that, you know, one of the things I think that you're seeking is, is seeking leverage because even the ebook idea, the idea of that is to create money um, passively. So it seems one of the, one of the benefits of employment is that we get paid in the in between times uh, when we're not actively working and the money flows even in even while you're on break so to speak and it sounds like what would be required to make the side gig a full-time thing is where you had a similar type of leverage where you're actually managing a team and you are responsible for 
a portion of that time drumming up the business or developing the relationships that serve as feeders, referral feeders to your business. You, you know how to earn more money in more hours. That's a skill set you've developed clearly. And now it's about getting it's about getting the relationships in place to perhaps provide you with a flow of business that could be farmed out to a team. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely thought about that track or as I said, like maybe it's a mix of some, I have a couple products, like a couple, you know, websites and a couple of info products that are selling kind of passively almost. Right. And then I've also got the consulting stuff and maybe the, the combined revenue stream from those two things, you know, covers, covers all of it. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's, that's the issue is, I, and I think part of it, it, getting back to what you were saying, Kevin is like, there is a little bit of aspect of my side company is my outlet for trying new things. Right. And I have a little bit of that ADHD, ADHD brain where I'm constantly sort of like, Oh, this would be cool if I, uh, if I did this and then I get excited about something and I try it out and, you know, uh, that's good and bad. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this about, about my experience with exit. I do, I, I get the ADHD. Um, but I'm finding that I really picked something that touches all of my obsessions. And so I get the ADHD, but it all seems to come back around to this central goal. It, it, it's, it's reinforcing rather than diffusing my effort. It also means that I stay fresh, you know, because I'm not, if, if I was literally just executing the initial plan for exit, um, I would be really bored right now. It's the fact that we've found these other avenues and these other angles that, that strengthen that initial offering. That's what makes it, it fun. So I think, I think you don't necessarily need to, to, to think of that as like something to gut through, right? I think it, it may just mean that you got to find um, where you're deep, where you're like, where your where your soul is on the, on some of this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What I hear you saying, Kevin, is that it's almost a, it's, it's not so much that you barrel down on one task harder. It's that you actually executing on a series of ideas that seem symbiotic and that if you have a, a set of conversations and you're developing, you're developing relationships that seem like they would provide the type of work that you would bring in house into a, to your own company but that you're also exploring at these tangential and fringe ideas that seem like they would also be in service of this larger goal. And what I've seen Kevin do with Exit is to have kind of a, a you know, plethora of, of projects that are taking place that all have a potential to create either revenue streams, new clients, or you know, greater transaction size from uh, each each member and future members uh, in, in ways that the offering grows as the offering is sort of tapped upon by its internal members. And it doesn't, it doesn't uh, become unsustainable as far as mind share, mm -hmm. because having that many things on my plate, I'm able to talk. I talk to my brain trust basically. And I say, uh, three of these things have lost my interest and here's why. 
And um, generally it's because they weren't that great of an idea or I'm not the right guy to do it. And, and I, I think like, for instance, this ebook thing, like our, our guys, our guys vary in how far afield they want to go from their day job. And if you find that like, you really like the actual blocking and tackling of, of the development job that you do. You just would rather it was oriented toward maybe a cause that was more important to you or, you know, something like that. Uh, if, if that rings true, I mean, you're nodding your head. Um, then, then maybe it's, it's the ebook, but it's not about flag football. It's about some element of this development job that you're an expert in. Or, or some some piece of that makes it a business card for the other thing that you're doing, so that everything feeds everything else. Yeah, what you guys are saying is is resonating a lot. I think that's uh, it makes a lot of sense, and I think that's that's definitely an area where I probably need to try to figure out how to get better at making these um, different efforts tie together in some way, so that it is there is a, a symbiosis there. You know, there is a, um, synergy there between all the different efforts so that, um, if I'm establishing relationships, for example, that they're not completely disconnected areas of the you know world, right. They, they could yeah. potentially be leading down the same general direction. So now a guy who finds himself doing that, I want to ask that guy, are you trying to get away from what you do for a living? Um, so it's a question of like, is it something that you're doing accidentally on purpose or is it something where you really could just vote? You know what I mean? So where, yeah, yeah. where are you at on that? Yeah. I mean, so, uh, well, my, there's a lot about my day job that I actually like. It's just that I, a it's, it's, uh, I'm, I work for a government contractor, right? So doing that work for the federal government, uh, kind of makes me feel um, very gross and, uh, not super, <laughs> I don't feel great about myself. And I also just don't feel, uh, you know, super proud of that. So, um, you know, it's not necessarily, uh, the, it's not the people I work with and it's not the kind of work I'm doing, um, yeah. necessarily. So, uh, you know, uh, my, my faith is super important to me. And one of the things I've tried to do, I've tried to I keep trying to sort of, and again, the flag football thing is totally unrelated to that, but I've tried to keep bringing things uh, into a, um, umbrella of sort of serving that, you know, my Catholic faith or even just broadly Christian. Um, so, you know, if I could do the, the, the problem with that is that like a lot of my expertise would be, um, maybe like helping people create and bring to market products, but there's not a lot of Christian organizations doing that. I mean, there are, obviously you could use those same skills to bring um, maybe educational or faith-based kinds of products to market, but I don't know. There's just not a, think about, a whole lot about that. Well, you know? I, I actually think, and, and David and I have discussed this in the past, that there are so many people who through COVID had to discover the homeschooling ecosystem. Yes. And I will be as including us. And I mean, partly that was just because we aged into it right around that time, uh, as far as our, our, our little girl got that old, but yeah. Um, yeah. 
but also we we took a look around and like the best option that we could find was um first of all it works great for my girl it's not going to work great for my boys it's very girly and i think a lot of homeschool curriculum skews that way and second it's like incorporating faith in like this very like square peg in a round hole kind of way where it's like we're going to talk about physics and it's well god made it that way and there's not really like <laughs> you know like it, it, not to say they don't like teach the principles because they do right but like they're just sort of inserting god to insert god like they're not yeah. they're not thinking very carefully about it and that was as far as i know that's like one of the top ones that there is so like i i really think that there's a huge market for that and um, we've actually talked about, you know, potentially developing something in that space. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that actually gets that, that mention of the homeschool market. I think that gets to this idea of symbiotic pools. So exit is a great kind of central place to begin your, you know, your, your networking and your refinement of your offerings and, and developing ideas and testing them out in kind of a laboratory. I think it's also very valuable to inject yourself into areas that may be symbiotic to your to your Catholic faith that are maybe, you know, maybe it's the homeschool, maybe it's the after school sports, maybe it's under I went to just recently to a homeschool convention because I want to work in more wholesome, you know, kind of clean and purposeful uh, industries that the homeschool industry was one that I felt would be one at least to kind of walk the, the trade show floor. And I saw a lot of opportunities that existed. So one, I think to maybe think of some like-minded adjacent groups in addition to exit or even whether or not they're membership groups, but they're just, you attend a, you attend a, an event where there's a, you get to see the landscape of opportunity and talk about what it is you do. And there, mm -hmm. thereby you meet people that are maybe in, be thinking creatively for themselves and their own families, or they're thinking on behalf of their own homeschool businesses, or there's additional offerings that could be added to, you know, whatever the homeschool company or, or any other adjacent space. I, I liked when Kevin and I have talked about other, other places we can be that would serve and nourish the, the groups that we're already in or places mm -hmm. that we could visit or people that we could talk to that where we start to see a real blood flow of ideas, and especially as it relates to uh, guys who have existing side businesses in place that need to be, um, maybe have a more robust pipeline of clientele or even a collaborative clientele. Um, mm -hmm. I think that would be one domain in which just to take a look around. And, you know, a, a good a good framework maybe for this, because like you say, you've got so many ideas in your head and you're excited about several of them. Um, and to the extent you can tell ahead of time, what is going to be synergistic and what is not, mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't know, but, but worst case scenario, maybe you just think about it in terms of phases. Like what is the easiest thing to start? And, and you've already done that because you have started. Um, and then, and then what is the easiest thing to scale? What is the easiest thing to add? And that by itself may solve the scaling problem. And if not, yeah. it will at least help refine the question. Yeah. Yeah. I think trade show attendance is, is an, um, very underrated modality for 
sparking the mind and just getting into the, the, the myriad of ways in which people practice their faith or their lifestyle. I mean, I was, I was shocked at the, the offerings, the, 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 the sheer number of offerings that were available at the homeschool um, trade show. But yeah, I mean, there's so many ways in which homeschooling was being deployed and delivered and in the ways that families were piecing together various offerings that I think there would be uh, a lot of raw material to draw from. There is also, at least in my experience, a little bit of an allergy to tech. And mm-hmm. part, I'll, I'll tell you, part, so partly that's like maybe a, an ideological orientation that you're not going to change. I think it's also that just the available offerings are not great. Or if there are great offerings, I'm not aware of them. I've looked, you know, here and there. And, and so I think I like, I see that as, um, as kind of a rich frontier, a, a, a place where the right, the right offering could really, could really make money. Yeah. And just a lack of, and just a lack of men in the space as well. I mean, I can tell you that just walking the hall, it was primarily female attended. And mm-hmm. I think that presents another great opportunity for for a male influence to enter into that domain more more prominently or at least as a an ideation hub differentiation yeah yeah Yeah, there's no doubt that like right now we are it's just there's an embarrassment of riches of opportunities for i think folks like us i mean between between the homeschooling explosion because of driven largely by COVID, but also, you know, by the, some of the insanity going on in the public schools. Um, but, but also just the, um, the sudden desire across America for, um, kind of conservative alternatives to mainstream products, right? Like that basically at this point, <laughs> just imagine a successful, mainstream product and then just create a conservative version of that. Right. And, uh, or sort of like traditional family values version of that. And boom, you've got a, <laughs> you've got a product. So um, I'm yeah. not going to try to take away, I'm not going to try to take food out of your children's mouth over a bad tweet version of it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. right. It's also a, a real, um, there's an enormous amount of talent and it's, I think it's great to be, you know, on a podcast talking about your desire to, to create something because it's, there's a, there will be guys listening who are, you know, in a space where maybe they have more time freedom and less Mm -hmm. visibility as far as in terms of where they, where they spend their day and how they're, um, the, you know, the, the layout of their day is less visible to their employer so that they can take on additional projects. So there's been this enormous disruption and such an enormous taste of, work from home that most people would have gone a whole lifetime without ever really experiencing. But now that folks have tasted it, they're looking to piecemeal together their careers in a way that, um, you know, just by virtue of talking about your desire, I think you will get individuals who maybe aren't um, able to, to join you full time, but could, but are also looking to be side hustle employed. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think ultimately it comes down to uh, there's tons of opportunities. So it's a matter of trying to figure out what's the. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be one thing, but what's the what's the unifying umbrella that I want to try to bring these things under? Yeah. So and yeah, we talked a lot about homeschool, but there's uh, there's tons of other other avenues you could you could pursue. And I would say if I could give you homework, it would be budget 
for time and money and sacrifice what basically like i i recognize that you are you have expenses you have a lifestyle you have a mortgage etc but defining i think in concrete terms what this is worth to you what it would be worth to you to get out whether that and that may not mean that may not mean a cutting lifestyle it may mean uh dedicating more of your time and being busier for a while while you build something but just like what am i willing to pay to achieve this and that i think that question is largely going to be defined by what is the compelling vision that drives this? If it's just like, you know, I feel underutilized or I'm not excited about being a defense contractor, um, there's a certain level of commitment that you'll give to that. But once once it's not just a, a, a stick, once there's a carrot, an impelling force in front of you, that's like, that's what I believe in. I think that's what really will create the desire to carve out the time and eventually burn the ships. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the homework and I, uh, I'm always, I'm always up for homework, but yeah, I, I think yeah. you're right. I think there's a, I, I'm, I think I'm getting to that point where it isn't just going to magically happen on its own. I have to like sort of define what are those, what are those goals look like? And then start thinking about, okay, what, what steps do I need to be taking to start getting us down that, that path? So well, yeah. one other idea to concretize Kevin's idea just a little bit is, is it possible? And I don't, I don't know what your budget is. I don't know if you've got the margin to even pull this off, but is it possible to tighten your belt 15% and stash some money away in a runway fund so that when you're ready yeah. to make the jump and free up more of your time, you can, you, you have three months, six months of runway of a little bit of wiggle room to try to get the the side gig up to to full gig status that was a huge part of me having the confidence to move on my thing was having Mm -hmm. some runway so yeah yeah i'll just add i'll add one more thing uh too just to draw out that venn diagram uh you know the circles around your around your faith and your in your vision and think about those adjacent spaces and you know homeschooling was one that we mentioned today but think about Think about the lifestyle of, of the type of people you want to solve problems for and be around and where yeah. they spend time. And then, and then back when you've, de- when you've determined what those adjacent spaces are, then try to really scaffold the exposure to them with dates and times and places that you want to be, uh, rooms you want to be in that maybe you haven't been in before. Mm-hmm. And then conversations scheduled with individuals that either represent or have a good understanding of the the infrastructure of those spaces, the, the, the web presences of those spaces, um, and start to have dialogue with in, new individuals that are either you meet in these new, these new rooms where you insert yourself or, um, you know, with individuals that are, that you come across through your web research, uh, and, and networking with friends on that. Yeah. Well, Kyle, I really hope that we can catch up with you either in the tech or the entrepreneurship call on this project. I recognize it's nebulous, but but your your progress on deciding where you want to land and and when what you really want to dedicate yourself to. So, uh, but but great to hear from you, and, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. All righty, Josh. Yes. Let's can we can we redo your introduction? Can you tell us? Uh, uh, can you tell us where you're at and and your current situation? 
Sure. Um, so I run a search engine optimization marketing agency called Longtail Dragon. Uh, so what that means is uh, we take small businesses and we do all of the things required to make them show up better in uh, search results for search engines, especially Google. Um, and it's it's doing pretty good. Uh, it's been growing steadily since I started it in 2020. Um, I started with like seven clients or so, and I'm up to 21. Uh, so uh, that's good. Um, of course, we're targeting small businesses. Uh, I like working with small businesses. That also means that with each incremental account that I sell, um, it's, it's not like a huge life-changing uh, uh, amount of revenue. Um, that combined with the, the inflation lately, you know, my costs have gone up. Um, and so it's like, I, I feel like I, I am always almost having an, a, a marketing budget, but never quite. <laughs> I, I'm like always two more sales away from a marketing budget and it, it, it never quite materializes. Uh, one of these days, I hope it does. Cause that's going to make my life a little bit easier. But in the meantime, I'm trying to grow this thing with elbow grease. I'm doing cold email. I'm doing cold LinkedIn. Um, I am doing a little bit of SEO for myself, but even doing it for myself costs money, and and that's money that I don't have a lot of. So that that's a slow, but that's a long term play. And part of this challenge with inflation is that if you had ten, if you had ten clients who were twice the size, making the same revenue then you'd only have to have 10 renegotiations about the inflation problem, renegotiating rates versus 21. So that's uh, that's definitely one of the reasons why bigger clients can be easier to, uh, to deal with, but, but, you know, you, you have the advantage of, so I, 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 I know someone who ran a, a, a online marketing company that had very large clients and one of their challenges, it's kind of like one of those things where like, if you, if you owe the bank $100,000, they own you. If you owe them a billion dollars, you own the bank. It very much, they had clients whose needs were existential for the survival of the organization. Mm-hmm. And taking these little bites. Well, here's here's just my, my initial thought on that. Maybe how your your approach has advantages is that with small clients you can maybe afford to churn a little bit more and f- explore the clients who are the best clients so like focus on your on your top performers and maybe start firing some low performers that depends of course on bringing in like you have to have a really good uh intake on that jet engine but um but i i, I think if you if you are having to if you are having to raise rates in response to like these these systemic problems, then you almost need to be pulling in, pulling in, pulling in to make this small business model feasible. Does that track? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it's it's the top of the funnel that I think isn't functioning very well. Um, I I can close and I can retain. Um, attracting is I'm I'm not as good at that. The, the thought, the first thought that comes to my mind in as, you, as it relates to those who serve as your primary referral sources, which are tends to be marketing firms, is that correct? Yeah. So two thirds of my business is doing SEO on behalf of of other 
agencies doing it under their brand as, as a white label arrangement, which I like doing because then they do the sales. Yeah. I'm having this impression that it may, that sometimes it might, the, the impression I'm having is that sometimes growing larger in scope offering can actually help one to become one's own referral source. In other words, by offering, you know, looking at what some of the larger firms do in terms of the firms that refer to you, actually getting into some of their lines of business might make you feel more um, that you have kind of more more columns uphol upholding your your structure. And, you know, so if, if it's if it's a business that does something that you don't do and they they tend to be a great referral source, perhaps leaning into the actual work that they do and marketing. I, I think SEO is seen as such a narrow um, and important function, but it seems to be sometimes a line item uh, mm -hmm. offering. And so maybe developing like a, an additional menu or, or kind of going after a larger, a larger section of the entire marketing process uh, might help to position you. Again, I realize this is a tall order, but it, it, it may have you be... I think it develops more of a, a robustness to your to your revenue and mm -hmm. also allows you to market aspects of your business that are not as that are maybe a little bit more sexy than SEO. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when you can lead with more more of the kind of the creative branding side of the marketing business, which tends to be more relatable to the layman and the lay business person. Mm -hmm. um, that, that can be um, like the thing they're buying and then SEO is just an additional thing that they're paying for. Um, because I think sometimes purchasing SEO feels sometimes can feel like purchasing something very functional in the home that is understood to be valuable, but it, it, I'd much rather buy a kitchen remodel than a, um, than a new high-tech dishwasher. You know? And so maybe widening the offering of the scope could be something that would be something to be considering. So that, that sounds exciting to me um, because there, there are things that I want to do that I haven't started doing yet. And maybe I'm thinking about this the wrong way. So, so, so maybe I, I, I want to pick your brains about this a little bit. For example, I really want to do like an integrated uh, content marketing service. Like I'm already doing blogs as part of the SEO, which is like, you know, probably a third of what would be involved. I already have all of the capacity I need to be generating content because I'm already doing it. Uh, so to do that with a, with a slightly different KPI in mind makes a lot of sense. There's some synergy there. I've been dragging my feet on launching that um, because, because I don't know what launch means. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I can throw up a new service page on my website um, but that's already not attracting leads. So I, I, to me, it sounds like going through the, the time and effort of, of building out the workflow uh, seems like it's, if, if the problem is sales, it feels like I'm focusing on the wrong problem, but, but, but that's not, but you're, you're, you're telling me that's not true. Well, well I think, I think it launch at the base, most basic level could be seen as a conversation with the client. Um, yeah. I think conversations really are micro launches in a way because you're exploring this desire to do something additional. And again, it may lead to even a pitch where you're actually recommending a price 
but to have a trusted conversation with what you perceive to be a, a ready client, I think could be could be at this stage a, a launch. Okay. All right. Well, sounds like I've got some work to do then. I think, and this this idea of opening another line of business with your present clientele is is potentially because I, I suspect that partially you are working with smaller clients because, the, like the, well, you tell me is the reason that you like working with these smaller clients because you sort of identify with the scrappy small business owner and like that's who you want to serve and help. Is that what that's animated by, or is it more about like it being practically easier? Oh, uh, I think it's both of those things. I think it's more the first thing than the second thing. And also what you mentioned about, I don't, I, I don't want to be beholden to a, a one Goliath client who, yeah. if they quit, tank my business. Uh, I've seen that happen before and I'm, I'm intentionally trying to avoid that trap. Yeah. So, so I think that opening additional lines of business is a way that you make these clients bigger without making them any more powerful with respect to you. Um, and you're still, you're still serving the type of people that you would like to serve. And I totally agree. I mean, like, you know, just from, just from inside our little, uh, ecosystem, uh, there, there are so many guys who are looking to write. And so like, there's this, this ready-made pool, um, and, and, and yeah, it's kind of a, every part of the Buffalo type of a situation. You know, I feel like I'm the only it. business owner in America that is not dealing with, not, not struggling with a labor shortage. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, it's, I, I love this idea of a conversation where you say to a client, I have a unique possession of a talented, of a set of talented writers, unlike, unlike anyone I've known and ever known in this industry. Right. Um, that, that this, this unique circumstance has fallen upon me and, it, and it's, it's beholden on me to, to deliver this value to you because of this circumstance of my, of my associations. Um, mm. and, and I've got to deploy it on your behalf. Um, could be one way to kind of start to articulate that, that opening overture. Well, this is interesting. I, I mean, I, I love the, the back end of building that stuff out, building the workflow, uh, making everything work, automating parts of it, uh, so that it just runs like a well-oiled machine. I love that stuff. So, having an excuse to do that, um, uh, makes me happy. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> right on. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, I think that, yeah, pitching it as, as because content marketing can mean all sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. And so your challenge will be uh, like, I am not talking about spam bots from Belarus doing content marketing. I've actually got really talented writers who, who, you know, you probably wouldn't tell them everything those guys have written, but, <laughs> but talented writers, uh, you know, and, and maybe, maybe some, some writing samples and some ideas of, of, of what other people, like maybe if you've got, I mean, I'm sure you've tracked like what has got the best engagement of the things that have been written so far. Absolutely. It, it reminds, it reminds me, you know, when a, when a restaurant says to you, you know, we've just got these incredible morel mushrooms in, and you're, you're ordering this tonight because we've got these in and we just demand that you try this, you know, and, and you hand over the, all the reins of control to the, to the server and you let them drive the dinner. Um, and I think you could do something maybe similar there. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, I, I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to try messaging stuff that way from now on. Cause uh, 
that was effective. I don't even like mushrooms and I want to buy those mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool. So, so as far as, um, as far as homework, uh, how how do you think you can, how do you think you can move the needle in the next uh, week or so to, to start that process? How far along are you kind of already to having that capability? Oh, um, well, so I've actually already done this on a, on a different, uh, product line. Um, so I've, I've been through this process once. Um, I'm not far enough that I can, uh, drive sales a week from today, but I can certainly, uh, go through the, I, I can at least figure out how much work there is to do to build out the, the capabilities necessary to do content marketing. Um, I can do that in a day, probably. Kind of like a uh, a job wreck for that for for that task. Like what what's involved? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like I've 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 got the writers, and that workflow is already functioning very very well. Um, uh, what I need is to think about um, lead magnets, and I need to think about. Um, mailing list management. Um, and I need to figure out how much time this is going to take. Um, because I've got some time, but not tons. How big of an offering as far as price point would this be relative to your existing, uh, relationship with these clients? Is it a, is it a 10% uh, upcharge? What, what does it look like? It'd be more than that. Uh, probably to do everything well and and it can be probably relatively customizable i may be able to do it in in layers to do everything that i want to do um in a premium version is probably significantly more than i'm currently charging okay so then that's that's means a more aggressive pitch right it means that you're because uh, if you're saying you know it's only it's only a couple bucks extra a month and that's one thing but if you're saying that it's, i'm I'm going to 2x or I'm going to 1.5x. That's a deeper conversation. So so the reason I want to address that is because I know that you've you voiced this insecurity about about pitching. Do you feel like that accrues to your existing clients pitching them on something new or is it really just the cold going in cold talking to somebody you don't know? Um you know, I don't know that I've got an insecurity about pitching. I do have an insecurity about um raising current prices on, on clients because I have a great retention rate, which is something that I've been counting on and I'm hesitant to do anything that, that might threaten that. I think but, 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 but to go back to your question about price too, that may look different. Bringing on a, a, a content marketing client who's not already doing SEO, um, that might be expensive. But since SEO contains some of the deliverables of a content marketing package, um, that the, the pitch for an existing client that 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 might actually decrease the amount that I would need to upcharge them. So it might not be quite as aggressive as I'm thinking. But anyway, that's something I need to figure out. Yeah, and you may even may even consider like a first adopter pricing strategy for for mm-hmm. one of your clients that goes first, and then develop a case study around the, the experience. I, I I'm not suggesting discounts, so to speak. But it, if, if you feel like this could be something that you want to have a show home or you want to have a, mm-hmm. um, a you know, a, a model home of, of the first of the first fully adopted 
maximally utilizing client uh, who's availing themselves of every of every service that you have, um, developing something for them so that they could be your you know your flagship case study, um, and, and maybe maybe as, a, as part of that compensation is that they you know agree to provide robust testimonials and um, allow you to to utilize them in your marketing material as well. And I ought to be doing it for myself too. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even if you build the case study around that, like, you know, uh, a particular company that I did this for my company, um, <laughs> you know, saw X and Y and Z results from, from this, uh, content marketing strategy. Yeah. That's not bad. Well, uh, yeah. So I, I think, I think it's a great place to start with the, uh, the, um, the sort of taking stock of, of what it would require to uh, to implement this new line of business and and um, and I, I really appreciate you uh, coming on and letting us letting us poke around under the hood there that was, that was a lot of fun yeah that is a lot of fun I think I've I've got some I, I've got some more brains to pick about this too right on Absolutely. let us know if we can help you get in touch with anybody all right I will do that. Thanks, fellas. It's just a great time. And for those of you listening, uh, if you want to learn more about what we do at Exit, a lot of it's just like this. We do it on the entrepreneurship call every Thursday night, which is tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Check us out at exitgroup.us or follow us on Twitter at exit underscore org. Thanks, fellas.